G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you almost exactly two days out from round one and I don't know about you but I'm pretty excited that footy is almost here. Most coaches out there for the AFL fantasy leagues are, have a similar uh, anticipation for Thursday night footy and I tell you what these last couple of tweaks and changes that everyone's making to their teams are nerve-wracking. So today's episode is purely focused on the rookies and the cash cows. If you've been on the Sports B website in the last couple of weeks you'll notice that I dropped an article highlighting the 20 most important rookies and cash cows for the 2023 fantasy season. So I'm going to go through all 20 of those characters and then I'm going to shed a little bit of a light on 25 other players that I think you need to remember as the season progresses. Tomorrow morning, I did on Sunday say that it was dropping Tuesday morning, but after uh, communicating with a big warm dog and shuffling a few things around, the big Dream Team Talk rookie article is going to be dropping on Wednesday morning on the DT Talk site. So make sure you go check that out. I kind of rank some of the rookies that I think are important in each line to commence the season. And I'm going to be back doing pretty regular podcasts throughout the fantasy season as well. I've been carrying over some good momentum. This is one of the first solo ones that I've done without JLo in tow, but he'll be back tomorrow to talk some fantasy footy. But today, I will steer the ship. Like I said, it's about four-ish WA time, so if there's any other news that drops after the fact, then that's probably why I didn't address it. But I think I'll do a pretty good job of covering all the news basis and all the other uh, widespread rookie topics that coaches out there are trying to get answers to. So let's waste no more time. Here we go. I did toy with the idea of breaking this down into lines, going defense, then midfield, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just going to talk each rookie through one by one. I'll try not and drag because I know that there's a lot of names that I want to discuss. And I've got a bit of time at the end for some Q&A as well. So first bloke I want to yarn about is Matthias Philippou. Now, as an actual footballer, I think that this kid is going to give St. Kilda a shitload on and off the field. He already feels like the most popular player. And I know for a fact that he's going to be a star of the future. But does that mean he's going to be really fantasy friendly? I think he might struggle a little bit to put up some massive point totals. Again, he is more of a, I don't want to say he's a flashy type of player or just purely an excitement machine, but I think that he's the type of talent that could have those big moments, kick a couple of goals in a row that turn out to swing a match, stuff like that. He might not be a huge accumulator, so kind of expect him to average somewhere in the high 50s. He might surprise me and score a bit better. To start the season, though, I don't think there's anything wrong with having him sit on your field. Most coaches that have forward rookies will have Sheasel as their number one bloke, and then probably Matthias Philipp, who maybe is their last on-fielder. Some are batting pretty heavy in the forward line, but I do think Philippou is going to be a must-have cash cow for the upcoming season. Speaking of must-have cash cows, if you don't have Will Ashcroft in your side, you may as well delete your team now. I'm not going to talk about him for long because he's currently the most popular player in the game, and for good reason. I think that this dude will legitimately average 100 as a rookie. I don't know if anyone's actually done that before. I know Mickey Barlow got pretty close in his heyday as a uh, mature ager. We also saw a big performance by Nick Dacos and Sammy Walsh in his first season. I think Ashcroft's going to do it. The next bloke's been an interesting player this preseason, and I'm going to talk about Alex Chin Cotter. Now, he's a mature ager, 26-year-old, snapped up out of the uh, Carlton Blues Reserves program, actually finished on the podium in their BNF count last year, and they signed him as an SSP player. Seemed like he was in line to debut round one, but 
with the early debutants announced yesterday that I'll go through both of those blokes in a bit as well. Now it seems like Chin Cotter might be on the outside looking in. Most of us are praying and have our fingers crossed that he doesn't get named as the sub. I don't think that's going to happen. It could. You'll probably know by the time you're listening to this, there might be something circulating around social media. But regardless, I think Chin Cotter is still going to be an important rookie throughout the 2023 season. I'll probably still start with him on my bench. It's not ideal because he plays the first game of the round, but I think that of the defender options that you have, Chincotta is probably one of the best. I think you have to have him in your side at some point. So if you can start with him and he comes into the team round three or four, hopefully even round two, then you're laughing. Bailey Humphrey of the Gold Coast Suns is the next one that I want to chat about. 290K and he's no guarantee to play round one. I read something, I'm pretty sure, just as I was about to go on air, saying that he's probably a week or two away from being back to full health, hence the reason that he didn't play in the Pracky game. But this dude averaged 100 in the NAB League last year, a serious comp, and I do think that he will be a big-time fantasy player or at least a big-time cash cow, I should say. He'll probably have some big highs. I expect some big scores of 85-plus over Humphrey, but I wouldn't be shocked if every now and then he dropped a score in the 40s. So a bit of a yo-yo. He's probably going to swing depending on who's in that Gold Coast midfield. He's shown that he can play up forward a bit as well. And I think that for the Suns, he's actually a really good pillar to have to help uh, – support the newer brigade of midfielders. They've got Noah Anderson rising up. Tuke Miller's well-established now. So if Humphrey can find his mojo over the next couple of years, I think that the Suns midfield will be looking deadly. Include Matty Rowell as well. There's surely a couple of guys I'm forgetting. But as a cash cow for this upcoming season, as soon as Humphrey's picked for the Gold Coast Suns, he should be picked for your fantasy side. There are no guarantees we see Campbell Chesser in round one, but... With handy defender midfield status, I think it's okay, even if he's not named, to pick this bloke to start the year. I think I'm leaning more towards picking Chin Cotter over Chesser, but it's much of a muchness. I think West Coast are going to be a team that wants to get a lot of games into their youth. Obviously, another draftee that I'm going to talk about for West Coast will be a very popular defender pick. So if you've got Chesser on your team, preferably on your bench, or maybe even in your utility or midfield spot, like I mentioned, he has that handy flexibility that's okay. You got to remember though, Chess hasn't played a lot of footy in the last two or three years, really. He only played three games in the NAB League back in 2021 before he was drafted. 2020, the year before that was the COVID affected year. So I doubt he played much then. And then all of last year after I'm pretty sure it was an Achilles injury in the preseason, he missed the 2022 season. So There's not a lot of uh, miles in his legs, so I wouldn't be shocked if West Coast use him as the sub a few times throughout the year, maybe even forced him to play some waffle footy before he got to really earn his spot in that best 22. But regardless, I think given the lack of somewhat reliable defensive options, if he's not named round one and you still want to sit him on your bench and use him as a loophole option, potentially to cash in some VC scores, not a terrible idea. I am very high on Elijah Sardis out of the Bombers. It's a shame that we're not going to see this bloke early. And to be honest, if he was playing in round one, I'd probably pick him over Will Phillips. I'd probably pick him over Ollie Hollins. I might even come close to picking him over Cam McKenzie. That's how much I rate this kid. I know that he was banged up in his final junior season. Only played six NAB League games and then had a meniscus injury throughout the preseason. So we're probably not going to see him for a couple of months. Ballpark, he might prove me wrong and come back in round four or five. But I think if Essendon play their cards right, they can really get this kid back to full fitness, give him a couple of VFL games, play against some older bodies. 
and then they can give him a debut, preferably around around nine or 10, something like that. That's probably when we'll have a couple of cash cows that we want to get rid of. But I think that Sardis could be a really important cash cow for the back half of your campaign. And he's a name to certainly remember. He comes at a pretty penny. He's 292, but I think that he can perform well enough, kind of similar to what we saw Ben Hobbs do when he came into the Don side. I think that Sardis, Sardis rather will probably fight a bit for midfield minutes, but He's very skilled, can play inside or outside for Essendon. So I think when he comes in, he's definitely worth investing in. I just briefly mentioned his name, but Will Phillips is one of the most popular players in the game right now. I think if you've got him at M8, that's fantastic. If you've got him on your bench because you don't really trust his scoring, so be it. There's no wrong way to go about having Will Phillips. I think that he should score okay. Probably average, similar to what I said, Philippou will in the high 50s. Maybe even prove me wrong because he's going to be playing a lot of midfield minutes and get over that 60 mark. But I think the fantasy upside in that north side probably slides a bit more towards the likes of Tommy Powell and LDU. Still, considering he's only priced at 270, there's nothing wrong with investing in Phillips to start the season. He'll probably get himself to around that 400k mark, hopefully a bit more. Drops an 80 or another big score early in the season. That'll help him flate him. But He's a number three pick from a couple of seasons ago. North Melbourne gave him Boomer Harvey's number when they drafted him. So they really rate this kid internally. And I think if you want to play him on your field, there's worse dudes to pick. Speaking of playing a young midfielder on your field, a lot of people are probably tossing up whether to play Will Phillips or Ollie Hollands. And Hollands is the next bloke that I want to chat about. At the moment, I currently have Phillips on my field, but when I get into the q and I'll dive in a bit deeper and discuss why that is and how you can take advantage of that. But Hollands, another great talent. He's played some wing in the preseason for the Blues. He'll probably line up in that spot opposite Blake Akers, I assume. He might even line up at times in the half-back line. He played a bit of midfield slash half-back in his final junior season and Carlton pounced on him early, drafted him inside the top 15 and clearly they want to get some games into this kid. The younger brother of Elijah from Gold Coast, Ollie obviously won't have to wait as long as his brother did to make his debut, but he is 280k and I know that there's only so many spots in your midfield and on your bench, etc. But at the moment, I think Hollands is worth paying up for. Initially, when I made this list, I included Noah Long. And in hindsight, he might not be one of the most 20 important cash cows in the upcoming year. However, if he is picked for West Coast, then I think he's definitely worth investing in because this bloke doesn't just have great goal sense. He's a crafty forward. He didn't really get to fully display his goal now and his how much of a threat he can be in front of the big sticks in the preseason hitouts against Adelaide and Port Adelaide. But this dude also played a bit of midfield time to push towards the end of his junior career. So he's versatile. He might just leapfrog someone like Elijah Hewitt on the depth chart at West Coast. And if he's able to do that, there's a chance that he can bob up and play seven to 10 games in his first year at the club. I do really think that that's a possibility. However, if I had a gun to my head, I think he probably plays less than five. Hopefully he's someone again that avoids the sub vest, but He's shown that he can be versatile. He's definitely a talented footballer and West Coast were able to get a bargain by drafting him really late. So don't be shocked if he's playing for the Eagles early and often. Next cab off the rank is Cam McKenzie, one of the must-have rookies, a very popular pick in your midfield. A lot of people will lock in Will Ashcroft and then lock Cam McKenzie right after him into the next slot, myself included. McKenzie obviously had a 90-odd in the preseason hit out against Collingwood. He looked right at home in Hawthorne's midfield. I do have my doubts over how much midfield time he's going to get in his first year at the club. You've got the likes of Warple. Josh Ward's going to keep getting better. 
Jai Newcomb is another fantasy player that I'm also tempted in picking. But Cam McKenzie should still see enough midfield snaps and get enough time around the footy to score 65. Let's call it, put a line on it at 65. If I had to, I'd say he goes slightly over. But he might not play all the games as well. It'll depend on the makeup of Hawthorne's team. I think that regardless, to start the year, it seems like he's going to be there in round one. So don't get too fancy. Make sure you put him in your side and hopefully he can start earning us some cash with a big score against Essendon in round one. Just before I hit record on this podcast, I was refreshing Twitter, having one last scour through the internet, and I saw the news that Harry the Sheasel will be playing for North this weekend, which is cool. It's expected. And I think that he can be a really important cash cow as well. He's only listed as a forward at the moment, but we've seen North Melbourne utilize him in the back half of their game plan. He's pushed up the ground a little bit, able to get some plus sixes. He's an elite goal threat as well. So this dude might be the most important cash cow outside of Will Ashcroft. If he's able to pick up defender status and you got a deaf forward that you can swing back and forth throughout the buys, that could be money. I think a lot of coaches will have Sheasel. If you're listening to this and you don't, hit stop, add him to your team, thank me later. I had some doubts over Lockie Cowan and whether he was going to play against Richmond, but Carlton confirmed that he's going to get his debut on Thursday night footy. And I'm really high on what this kid brings to the table. He captained Tasmania or the Allies team, I should say, last year. He led all the draftees in total kicks and average kicks. And I think that after scoring a fraction under 100 in the NAB League, he can still put up some decent scores in the AFL system. I think he's probably a better pick in your keeper league, someone to stash and benefit his uh, growth in a couple of seasons. But Carlton have invested in picking him round one. And I think fantasy coaches should do a similar thing. Trusting him on field is a little bit dicey, but I'm someone that's doing it at the moment because I'm paying up across other lines. So I'm fielding two rookies in my back line. And I don't mind if Lockie Cowan's one of them. Like I said with Alex Chincotta before, if you've got Chincotta on your bench, Cowan on your field, hopefully one of them's playing each week or most weeks, and you can kind of chop and change who, depending on how the team structure works. But I think both of them will be churning through the back line. And Lockie Cowan, hopefully, should be good for a 55 to 65 against the Tigers on Thursday. Another mature ager is the next bloke that I want to talk about. Fergus Green for the Hawks is the definition of a slow burn as a cash cow. I am a little bit worried about what he can score. He kicked 53 goals for Box Hill Hawks last season. I don't think he's going to replicate that in his first year of, oh, I shouldn't say his first year of AFL footy because he was on the dogs list for a while. Apologies, Fergie Ferg, but I don't think he's going to score a shitload. He'll probably be good for an average of about 47, 48, but that could make him a couple of hundred K and then you can cull him and turn him into another forward rookie. He'll probably do exactly the same thing. Matty Roberts of the Swans falls into a somewhat similar bracket. I don't think points are going to come too heavily for him. Obviously, he scored a six on debut uh, last season, but he did average 90 in the VFL. So he might be another player that has to bide his time a bit. Josh Kennedy just retired for the Swans. He might have to wait for Luke Parker to bow out before he really gets an opportunity in Sydney's midfield, but they might just utilize him around the ground a bit more, play a bit more forward, maybe even try him in the back line. I think he's probably right on the fence for a round one pick. And if he's not there round one, I can see why coaches don't want to pick him. However, if he comes in throughout the season at 200K, you can do a lot worse. One of my favorite cash cows in recent years, I'll be honest, is Ruben Jinby of the West Coast Eagles. 
built like Paddy Cripps, moves like Marcus Bontempelli. I think that this dude could be one of the best players in the competition six to seven years from now, which is a long time. However, I think he's going to reward fantasy coaches instantly with some pretty solid scores. His job security in West Coast side seems pretty legit. Simo might get a bit weird and give him a bit of a rest every now and then or force him to earn his stripes by playing him back in the waffle side. However, I think, like I mentioned with Noah Long and Campbell Chesser, the coasters want to play a lot of games and a lot of kids, sorry. They just want to get a lot of games into the youth that they've got at the club. And I think that Jinby is leading that charge. He'll probably hover around, scores around the 60s, but he'll have a couple of big games, especially if he dives into the midfield and gets a lot of tackles, a lot of holding the ball, free kicks, a couple of plus sixes here and there, kicks a snag or two. So I love Jinby and I think he's probably the most important defensive cash cow you can have to start the season. Another defender that coaches are keen on is Darcy Wilmot from Brisbane. Didn't technically debut in the AFL fantasy season last year. Had to wait until finals footy arrived to get his first call up. And he played all three finals for Brisbane and didn't look out of place. He doesn't look like he's grown a shitload and improved tons since then. But that was only, you know, six or so months away. And the dude is still relatively young. So... I have some concerns over whether he can play regularly for Brisbane, which is why I wouldn't suggest playing Wilmot on your field at D5 or 6. However, he could be another bench pick if selected to play round one for the Lions, which all signs point to him being included. And if he is, like I said, chuck him in your D, think about it, 7 or 8 spot, and then just hopefully he can churn out a couple of decent 50s, keep growing in value, and fantasy coaches can reap the rewards. All right, I'm going to speed it up a little bit. Luke Pedler, if he was playing more midfield time, I'd be a bit higher on the bloke. However, 213K isn't awful to pay up for a forward that has tackling ability. I think he's just going to get buried in the forward line for the Crows. So he's out of my side at the moment. But if you've got a bench spot up forward and you want to pick him, Pedler's a fine choice. He did average 70 in his 14 Santful games last season. So hopefully if injury keeps striking, Adelaide will give him a chance further up the ground. But... I can't see it happening. Josh Weddle was a very popular player to start the preseason, and most people had him slotted in their back line, only to see his ownership slowly trickle down. He averaged 54 in his final NAB League game, and he started to push up the ground a bit more for the Hawks throughout the intra-clubs and in one of the early pracky games. But I just can't see him scoring in a great deal. He's almost like a second or third intercept defender type, and he might develop into a really good scorer, but Hawthorne were trying to utilize him a bit further up the deck, like I said, and even pushing onto a wing. And he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. So I don't think that's his natural game. I think his natural game is to be a bit more defensive. And as a result, I'll probably steer away in fantasy circles. Then again, priced at 266, if he does come in, say six weeks or even later into the season, and I've got a cash cow that's made his money ready to be culled, that could be a very, very handy move for coaches. Josh Sin of the Port Adelaide Power. You kind of forget that the Port blokes traded up to get him back in 2021 draft. Yep, that's right. And then he's had a couple of injury issues since then. I know that he's had groin and hamstring problems this preseason. So he hasn't been able to get a clean run at it. However, back early in the preseason, the start of 2023, when everyone was optimistic and we thought that all these cash cows were going to play in Excel, Ken Hinckley did mention that he could be a candidate to slot into a wing that Carl Amon left vacant. So watch this space. He's got to get healthy first, and it seems like he's slowly tracking that way. Probably play some sample footy and then put himself in the mix. And at 233, mid forward, he's an all right pick. 
Last one, another slow burn and an inflated cash cow, the number one overall pick, Aaron Cadman. He's going to be a really good player in the future, I think. He's got all the traits to be a dominant key forward, but key forwards aren't what we cover in fantasy. So if he does play early and you've got rookies that still haven't maximized in value, probably wise to ignore him. But if Cadman comes in, similar to what I was just saying with regards to Josh Weddle and a couple of other characters throughout this pod, if you've got a rookie that's ready to be culled and someone like Cadman or Sardis, one of these more expensive uh, rookies pops up, there's nothing wrong with switching them around and hoping that the other bloke can then continue the ascension in price and value and pocketing 100 to 200K in the bank at the same time. Those are the 20 most important fantasy cash cows for 2023, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I cut the line at 20. So another 25 players are about to get a mention. Probably won't take as long though, because I only wrote a sentence or two in the article about these guys. So let me give you my thoughts, starting with Lockie McAndrew. Don't think he's going to score great. Could be an R3 pick, but not for me. Josh Fahey of the Giants, booming kick, and he averaged 86.5 last year. Third year, could be a breakout candidate, but I don't think he'll squeeze into GWS's side. Henry Husswaite, a lot of people comparing this guy who got drafted by Hawthorne to Scott Pendlebury, and when you watch his highlights, I can't see the difference between the two. They're pretty uh, pretty similar. I don't know if he's going to play a lot in round uh, in year one, rather, but monitor him and see how he goes. Corey Wagner, Joined Frio after a couple of cups of coffee with North Melbourne and Melbourne respectively. Plied his craft in the VFL last season. And if he's picked and he's in there 22, not as a sub, I might just invest in the bloke. Uh, Jai Clark, can't see him playing a ton in year one for Geelong. However, he was the seventh overall pick. He's come from a Geelong Falcons footy factory. So he might just surprise us. And if he's in their team and looking good, nothing wrong with picking him too as another midfielder. Finn McRae. This bloke just can't get healthy and he's priced at 290K. So I know he's a mid forward and some will be tempted if he is selected for the pies, but I think I'm just going to draw a line through him this year. Billy Dowling. Now let me tell you about this kid. He led all players in the sample under 18 comp in scoring much more than, well, a little bit more than Mateus Philippou, but Billy Dowling had a 215 point game where he had 44 touches, 17 marks, kicked like four goals. He looked elite. So if Adelaide do give him a chance, his fantasy game screams that he's going to be good. I don't know exactly what the makeup of the team will be like if he's included, but he's definitely a name to remember. Joe Richards, maybe not. He was a cool preseason story, 206, mid forward. I think there's enough mid forward options out there, so you can probably avoid him. Bailey Laurie is an intriguing one because this bloke could almost be playing for his contract this year. He has been drafted by the D's, hasn't really broken into their side, showed some flashes in the VFL, and he looked all right in the preseason hitouts that he did play. <sighs> not for me, but I think that's purely because D's are in flag tilt mode. If they were a bit more rebuilding and trying to get more games in their kids, I might be a bit more keen. Similar could be said for Matty Johnson of the Dockers. He looks like a prime substitute candidate for a couple of weeks. If injury strikes someone like Jager O'Meara or Will Brody, maybe he bobs up, but he's got Neil Erasmus to battle for games as well. He played more games than Johnson last year. So I think we'll see Matty J uh, apply his craft in the waffle for most of the season. Samson Ryan, I'll tell you what, if the Tigers didn't play Thursday night, this bloke would be my home run R3. However, I'm backing off a little bit and I'm picking another bloke, but I do expect Samson Ryan to be okay and probably the pick of the bunch as basement uh, ruck forwards, if you ask me. Elijah Hewitt, 
this type of player doesn't really get a lot of shine at West Coast. And actually, now that I think about it, it's probably because they don't have a lot of these type of dudes. He's not Dusty Martin, but he plays a bit like that, a bit Jordan degoe if you will. You know when he's in the clearance and you know when he's around the contest and the ball. And I think his role at West Coast is hard to envision as a rookie. And as a result, we might not see him play a ton. Hopefully he avoids the vest. But I think that if he plies his craft, which I've used a couple of times now, so I promise that'll be the last one, uh, for the Waffle Eagles and proves that he deserves to be at the top level, he might just squeeze into West Coast's midfield. Hugh Bond, another draftee by the Crows who had Ripper Junior numbers, averaged nine tackles a game. So if him or Dowling come in, they're probably worth monitoring. Alwyn Davey Jr. might be the bloke that I'm looking forward to watching the most out of these rookies and cash cows, but I don't think I'm going to pick him. He'll score pretty average. You got Tipper in that forward line kicking snags as well. So shout out to uh, the Junior Davey, but probably not my uh, bread and butter. Jacob Van Ruin, another key forward, priced at 200K. Early on in the preseason, everyone was picking him on the bench and he seemed like a round one lock. The buzz has simmered slightly. I haven't heard a lot about him playing in round one against the Dogs. However, he could be a fine choice if you want to go down that route. Slow burn though, so prepare yourself. Judd McVie, another cheap demon who seems like he's one of the lead candidates to steal a spot in their 22, fighting Michael Hibbard for that spot at the moment. But as a lockdown defender, he only scored 10 points against the Tigers in the practice game. So I'll probably be steering clear. George Wardlaw, the sicko in me really wants to see George Wardlaw sit for the entire season so that he can be cheap as chips next year. But he might be a rookie to remember in the back half of the season. Price at 294. So I don't hate it if you want to miss the boat on him and just let him go about his business in his first season. But Let's see how it goes when he's fully healthy and back training with the main squad on a consistent basis. Jacob Ryan, an early draftee for the Magpies. I think that he could maybe have a similar cameo. Maybe it's because he reminds me of this type of player as uh, Caleb Poulter back in 2021. Come in, score 70 plus, only play six games. I could see it happening. I could also see it happening for his teammate, Ed Allen. I think... There's going to be a couple of Collingwood rookies that bob up and get some opportunities. Just going to be a matter of investing in the right one. So monitor both those dudes, see what their year looks like to start in the VFL. Who knows? They might even be playing round one. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Ned Moyle from the Gold Coast Suns. The only way that this dude's going to matter is if a Jared Witts injury strikes. So until a Jared Witts injury strikes, you won't hear much about Moyle. Blake Drury, a bloke that the Kangaroos drafted with the first pick in the rookie draft. I don't know if he's going to play a ton in year one. I know that North Melbourne, similar to West Coast, will want to invest a lot into their youth that they've got on the list. However, Drury might just be slightly down the pecking order and forced to, pl- to play a lot in the VFL. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Max Heath, ruck forward, my current R3. If you handcuff him with uh, old mate Rowan Marshall, then you can't really go wrong. You put Marshall on the bench and you put Max Heath on the field, chuck the C on him. That's how you definitely cash in your VC score weekly. Uh, Sam Sturt, he's a rookie that as a 200K forward, you wouldn't be super high on. However, I think I rate him out of all the other picks, the Fergus Greens, the Jacob Van Ruin, the Luke Peddlers, who's a little bit more. But I think that Sturt has shown he's in the Port Adelaide game, especially not just going to sit in the forward pocket to score his points. And with Michael Frederick, on thin ice to play and Michael Walters seemingly definitely out. I think Sturt is a good pick to start the fantasy season. Second last one, Darcy Jones, first round draft pick by the Giants, probably more of a long-term play. And at 260K, 
I'd rather spend up elsewhere. And Kane Chandler is the last dude I want to talk about. He had flashes in that game against Richmond in the preseason. Could be an all right pick, but again, with the D's, I don't really know how I feel about the job security of all their young dudes. So probably, nah, you know what? I reckon he'll play. I reckon he'll play and he'll be okay, but he's a very line ball decision. Clearly, as you can tell by my indecisiveness. So that's all the information you need when it comes to rookies and cash cows. All right. So let me burn through a couple of questions. I put the call out to the Sports by Fryer community earlier today. And there was a couple of people that responded and gave me some ripper questions. So the first one comes via Twitter from Jason. And he purely just asked about Jack Bytel. And ironically, it's actually Jack Bytel's birthday today. So happy 23rd birthday to JB. I'm sure he's listening to this. And I know that he is a tempting pick priced at 305K for fantasy coaches. I can't do it at the moment for my side, the way that I'm structured. I'd much rather just have the likes of Will Ashcroft, Cam McKenzie, uh, Bailey Humphrey, if he was playing, uh, Will Phillips, Ollie Hollands. They're all that extra like 20, 25K cheaper, which isn't tons. And I just don't know if I feel confident that Jack Bytel is going to play a lot for St. Kilda this year. He might start the year gangbusters, but they got the likes of Jack Billings eventually. I know he's on the long-term list, but Windhager, uh, Seb Ross, you got Nick Caulfield. There's a lot of dudes still to come into that side. So if he doesn't hit a home run and score well early, I could see him squeezed out of the mix uh, at St. Kilda. But don't hate the idea. All right, let's go to Insta. We got a couple of questions coming from fans here. Uh, a really good one, actually, from Isaac. He asked a two-parter. So I'll go through the first one first. Rowan Marshall's the obvious lock in your first ruck spot, but who plays at R2? English's first five to seven games look meh. I totally agree with you, mate. And there's a lot of people who are going down the Wits or Sean Darcy route. I'd prefer Wits over Sean Darcy. I had Scotty Lysett sitting as my second ruck for the majority of the preseason. But I'm really, really keen on Tim English as an around the ground ruckman. I wouldn't be shocked if he lost the hit out battle in each of these five to seven games. However, I think that he's going to get enough mark kicks, kick a couple of snags here and there tackles. I think that he could be truly the next dominant fantasy ruckman. And he had a couple of concussion issues last year and an interrupted preseason, but he's had a clean bill of health thus far to start 2023. So I'm not afraid with locking him and Marshall in. I know it's Vanilla, everyone else is doing it, but they're doing it because I think they're going to be good. So I think the smart decisions to pay up for those two. If English misses some time, I'm just going straight to Max Gorn. If Riley O'Brien looks elite, I might even pivot and go that way. But until English misses time and he's one of the most expensive rucks, I think it's fine having him. And then you can pivot and go from there. Maybe you go down to someone to save some coin. If you really want to though, Jared Witts is a cheaper option that I probably prefer. Second question from Isaac. He's interested to hear my thoughts on who I think benefits the most uh, from the GWS exodus of midfielders. And I think it's two dudes because you know what you're going to get from Stephen Cornelio. I think he could go back towards 105 average, but I, if I had a gun to my head, I'd say he averages under that or maybe just bang on. I think the big beneficiary is obviously going to be Tom Green purely because he is a young dude who's getting better with age. Josh Kelly is the other underrated one that I've seen his ownership numbers start to climb. And I do think that he's going to be really good. Finn Callahan, I was extremely high on about a week ago, but I kind of fell into the narrative that everyone was talking about how he's going to be playing inside mid slash wing but he's probably going to be playing on that wing a little bit more often than not. So I was high on him as a 75 average guy. 
I expect him to probably drop a little bit around the 70 mark, maybe high 60s. So I think to answer your question, out of the dudes who are going to benefit the most, it's probably Tom Green, number one, and Josh Kelly, number two. But I could easily see Cogs churning out some big scores as well. Lockie Whitfield, let's wait and see. Uh, all right, next question we got. Brayshaw or Steele by Burnett via Instagram. Most people listening to this will know that I'm a passionate Fremantle Dockers fan, so I will obviously pick Andrew Brayshaw for this. However, to start the season, I had Jack Steele as my M1. I thought he was going to tackle his dick off and be an absolute fantasy star, and that hasn't changed. I know that he hasn't scored great in the preseason, but with the injuries that are mounting at St. Kilda, someone's going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting, and I think Jack Steele will do that. If I had to pick one of the two who's going to average more this season, I think I'd just slightly go Brayshaw, but you're really clutching at straws. I think both dudes are going to finish in the top five for average or total points or however you want to rank your best fantasy players. And because I'm a member of the Purple Army, I think I just have to contractually uh, side with Andrew Brayshaw, but both Ripper picks. Uh, All right. Next one comes from Jared Brack. How do you think the addition of Dunkley and Ashcroft will affect Neil and McCluggage? I think it's going to affect all four of those dudes, to be honest. Gone are probably the days of one dude like a Lockie Neil or Josh Dunkley averaging over 115. But I kind of expect Dunkley to be their best fantasy scorer. Neil to dip back towards 100. McCluggage will be sub 100. And I've talked about how good I think Ashcroft's going to be already on this pod. So I think Dunkley will lead the charge. And as a result... The other midfielders for Brisbane will slip slightly. Lockie Neal has shown that he can be a workhorse and score 40 points in a quarter. And I think that he had his real comeback season last year after a down year in 2021. And I wouldn't be shocked if we kind of saw a bit of a roller coaster. He dipped again slightly. So to answer your question, I think that all of them will dip. Tough to go off what Ashcroft's going to dip, but Dunkley will be the one that I think it stands the best chance of standing out in that Brisbane unit. And he's a sneaky chance to win the Brownlow. Just saying. Uh, okay. couple more questions till we get out of here. Liam Ryan, is he worth a punt at F5 slash SF6? Comes from James Perry. Look, I love flying Ryan as a player. I kind of wish that he was drafted by the Dockers, but as a fellow sand groper, I do still respect him and love what he did. His price, uh, just a bit over 500K, which is a really awkward number to try and squeeze into your forward line. If you go on for draft, I don't hate it, depending on the depth of your league. However, he's priced around 60. He averaged 75 from his last five games, but you got to remember how many Eagles were out, were out of the team late last year. So I reckon he'll score somewhere between a 60 and 65, which means there's probably not a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to value. So I'd probably steer clear away from him. But if you want to go against the grain, I could see a year where Ryan kicks 40 to 45 goals and averages somewhere near the 70s. But even then, there's still not a lot of ton of value in fantasy. Could be a cheeky All-Australian shout, though. Just saying. Um, All right, a couple other questions. Nearly wrapped up. Heard much on Bailey Humphrey from uh, another Twitter question. He just got released earlier that he's going to miss a week or two. I think I mentioned that when I was talking about him. Uh, I've been multitasking and reading Twitter whilst doing the pod. So you're welcome, boys. Uh, Trying to get as much up-to-date information as possible. So Humphrey will actually probably start in my team. And this kind of addresses a bigger issue that I'll talk about at the last part of the podcast. But uh, let's fire through a couple of others. Hawker asks, Holland's scoring potential. 
Not great if you ask me, but what I'm going to do is put him on my midfield bench. I'm going to have Bailey Humphrey sitting at M9 or 10 next to Hollands. And obviously, if Hollands goes really well and hits a 70-plus, I'll probably chuck Phillips on the bench and put uh, Bailey Humphrey in his spot. I do expect him to score reasonable in the first couple of games, but if I had to put a number on it, I would say he will average 63 for the season. There you go. A couple of other Insta ones. Is it worth downgrading a cheap, a premium to a cheaper option to afford Cowan's, Cowan, Hollands, uh, and et cetera on the bench? That comes from Devin Neal via Instagram. Butchered most of that question, but I think it's important this year to pay up for the rookies on your bench. At the moment, or before uh, Chin Cotter was seemingly out of the side, I had Cowan, who's 234 from memory. I had Bailey Humphrey, who's 290. I had Ollie Hollands, who's 280. And I had Luke Pedler, who's 213. So that collective cash could probably be another Dom Sheed up to Josh Kelly type of upgrade. But I think you want to try and get the reliable rookies early in the season, if not to start the season. And I've always been a big advocate of paying up for the draftees, at least until you see what they look like. A lot of fantasy coaches will be hesitant to try and pay you 300K or they want to go for a bloke like Yawen Davy Jr., who's... 80k cheaper than someone like Bailey Humphrey but realistically these top draftees are the ones that are going to stand the best chance of not only coming in early but staying in the side because a team that picks them in the top 15 they want to know what they have on their hands some more than others obviously there's different upside depending on the whole team scenario etc etc but in answer to Devin's question depending on what premium you're cutting I don't hate the idea if you use that example let's say that instead of Ollie Hollands you had Matt Roberts and Dom Sheed, uh, I think you'd probably, uh, sorry, Matt Roberts and Josh Kelly on your field. If instead you went Dom Sheed and then you paid up for someone like Hollands, it got your Cowan down back on your bench. It got you another reasonable forward that's not springing to mind at the moment. It helps you get Philippou onto your field, uh, onto your bench rather than your field, whatever. I think that that's an all right move. Every team's going to be different and your structure will kind of dictate how successful that move could be but I do think it's wise to pay up for rookies. And like I've said on the fantasy podcast with Warney and on a couple of other ones, don't go jumping at shadows too much and making wholesale changes at the moment. I've had Humphrey and Hollands on my midfield bench for Yonks, and I'm probably going to keep them there, even if the Hollands, uh, Humphrey rather doesn't get picked in round one. I'm really glad that I put the call out for uh, questions for a lot of people, because as a response, I got a uh, photo back from one of the high school kids I used to teach. Shout out Billy O'Meara of him looking like a, an angry bird. I've got a question from John O'Leach. Shout out to that character. Who is Will Verrill and why is he wearing a wig in his photo? I saw something on, I think it was Twitter, where he looked like uh, Jake Fitzpatrick, an old uh, Demons player. So you can go compare the pair there if you'd like. And the final question that I want to address, uh, I actually got ripped by a family member. It said, do you think your hair loss is your dad's fault? Uh, it's still going okay. I uh, don't always don hats on the podcast. I'm somewhat confident in it, but it is fading, fading pretty quickly. So thanks for that one, mum. <laughs> but that's it. That's another sports be pod in the books. Like I said, I'll be back with JLo tomorrow night. We'll do our round one predictions. We'll talk some winners. We'll do our tips and all the other jargon. We'll go through and talk about our final fantasy teams. We might even uh, explore the idea of making a joint sports by fry team which would be pretty fun we'll have some bold predictions we'll talk a little bit about some nba and we'll do another uh let's call it 
more educated uh, <laughs> Mount Rushmore this week. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the pod for future apps. Until next time, peace. Peace.